Good afternoon, dear ones. Thank God for such a wonderful uh, privilege to be able to share His Word with you today after quite some time. Well, at the same time, we also would like to thank God for how we have indeed been blessed thus far by the previous messages we have heard as shared by our dear young pastors and even our elders who are part of the preaching team. Now, we would also like to give a big thanks and appreciation as well to all those involved in all of our recorded services. Our video and edit team members, Riza, Richelle, Joy Eliaga, Andy, Jamel, Arnold, and uh, Gab Banal, our sounds team members, Abram and Richard Mariano, and our worship team members, Julie B. Ams, Sarah, Winjoy, Val, Norman, Henry, Barnard, Jacob, Pael, and Matt Mariano. But let's also continue to pray and hope that we could regather and congregate in person sooner than soon so that we could all resume fulfilling our calling and ministries. Well, laying housekeeping aside for now, let us just pray and then go to our online worship service highlight, which is the Word of God. And so may I request everyone, let's just bow our heads as we pray. Our ever faithful and loving God and Father, we thank you for everything that you are doing in our lives and in the lives of everyone dear to us. We thank you for protecting us from all harm, for providing our every need and for sustaining us day after day. And Lord, for drawing us closer to you through your word and through your spirit who is teaching and guiding us and above all transforming us because of your grace, mercy, and love. Father, we pray that you open our hearts and minds even as we continue to read, study, and meditate on your word. We thank you that you continue to give us that opportunity to have fellowship with you and with our brethren so that we can grow in our faith and in our walk with you. Lord, even as we wait for this pandemic to finally end, we thank you that you will faithfully complete the work that you have started in us until the day of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray all this. And everyone just agree with a loud amen. Well, in our Bible reading for the past several weeks now, we have seen that despite God's warnings to them through the prophets, God's chosen people kept on disobeying and sinning against Him. That's what we read in First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles. And so God judged them, which resulted in their exile to Babylon. The Jews then faced complete destruction of their nation, their possessions, traditions to include their temple and the walls surrounding them which were so significant in their lives. Here are some significant dates for us to consider. Jerusalem was destroyed and the temple was burned by the Babylonians on July 18, 586 BC. And we read this in 2 Kings 24. In 
October 29, 539 B.C., Babylon fell to the Medes and Persians. God, however, promised through the prophets to restore Israel after 70 years of exile. When uh, Babylon was conquered by Medo-Persia, God used King Cyrus, a heathen ruler, to bring back a remnant of his people from the land where they were exiled, Babylon, back to Israel. This was the way the Lord fulfilled his promise to rebuild Jerusalem or Judah. Emperor Cyrus, in his first year of ruling the Persian Empire, issued a decree allowing the Jews to return to their land. Oh, by the way, there's a connection of Ezra, Nehemiah, and the book of Esther, and even Daniel. In the Hebrew Bible, Ezra and Nehemiah appear as just one book. Ezra is the story of the rebuilding of the temple, and Nehemiah is a story about rebuilding of the wall. And so the exiled Jews made three returns. The first return was led by Zerubbabel. He led the first wave of Jewish exiles to return in 538 BC, and this we read from Ezra 1 to 6. In 536 or 535 BC, the construction of the temple began, and this is in Ezra 3.8. Between 535 to 530 BC, there was opposition during the reign of Cyrus on the rebuilding of the temple. That's in Ezra 4, 1 to 5. And between 530 to 520 BC, because of the opposition work on the temple, stopped. Ezra 4, 24. However, in September 21, 520 BC, work resumed. And then finally, in February 18, 516 BC, that's in Ezra 615, the temple was completed and dedicated. And so we see here that it took 20 years to include 10 years break to complete the building of the temple. Now Ezra led the second wave in 457 BC. That's in Ezra 7 to 10. Ezra left with about 1,500 men and women and their families in mid-March 455 BC. Back in Persia, there was a Jew who was the cupbearer of the king, and his name was Nehemiah. In Nehemiah 1, verses 2 and 3, we read of how Nehemiah heard of the report that the walls back in Jerusalem were still broken down and the gates burned with fire. The report so saddened and burdened Nehemiah that he prayed for about four months. Wow, that's a long time to pray. Because he was so burdened by the condition of the walls of Jerusalem that even the king whom he served noticed his sad countenance. It was at that point that he asked permission from the king to go back to Jerusalem. And so in 445 
BC, Nehemiah led the third wave of return. That's in Nehemiah 1 to 3. The rebuilding of the temple and Jerusalem by Zerubbabel and Ezra, and then the wall was indeed a great accomplishment, a wonderful feat. But surely it didn't come easy for Nehemiah and the remnants. Let's look at three things that describe the task before Nehemiah. As Warren Wiersbe said, instead of a land inhabited by a once great nation, great affliction and struggling to survive, the remnants continued to live there. Instead of a magnificent city, Jerusalem was utterly in ruins. And then the third description, from great glory, the nation of Israel once had that. Now there was nothing but reproach. So we see the remnants saw the great ruins and they, of course, were suffering reproach from people around them. They probably were hearing, where is their God? They once were a chosen mighty nation. Now my question is, what would you feel if you were in the place of Nehemiah and the returning Jews? Yes, their exile was finally over after 70 years. Yes, King Cyrus was on their side. And yes, they were finally going back from Babylon into their homeland. But with the restoration and rebuilding that needed to take place in their nation. And then the center of their worship, the temple having to be rebuilt. And then, of course, building the protective walls around them. The sight and the great challenge before them was indeed so distressing and discouraging. Charles Spurgeon said, The persistence of trials or difficulties and challenges can serve to strengthen or discourage a man. I wonder what they were going through in that difficult challenge and task of rebuilding their nation, the temple, and the wall, especially the wall. Seeing that, it could have discouraged them. And so, dear friends, for us to finish well with whatever we have been called or the task that we need to do, we have to understand all about discouragement and how we can overcome it. And so I have entitled the message this afternoon, Finishing Well by Beating Discouragement. And we're going to read Nehemiah 4, 10 to 20, and then just deduce some lessons for us to be able to overcome discouragement. And so let's read together these verses of Scripture, and I'd like to read from the New King James Version, Nehemiah 4, verses 10 to 20. Let's read all together. And then Judah said, The strength of the laborers is failing, and there is so much rubbish that 
we are not able to build the wall. And our adversaries said they will neither know nor see anything till we come into their midst and kill them and cause the work to cease. And so it was when the Jews who dwelt near them came that they told us ten times from whatever place you turn, they will be upon you or upon us. Therefore, I positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings, and I set the people according to their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. And it happened when our enemies heard that it was known to us, and that God had brought their plot to nothing, that all of us returned to the wall, everyone to his work. And so it was from that time on that half of my servants worked at the construction, while the other half held the spears, the shields, the bows, and wore armor, and the leaders were behind all the house of Judah. Those who built on the wall and those who carried burdens loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked at construction and with the other held a weapon. Every one of the builders had his sword girded at his side as he built, and the one who sounded the trumpet was beside me. Last two verses. And then I said to the nobles, the rulers, and the rest of the people, the work is so great and extensive. And we are separated from one another on the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. And I hope we will be able to identify with Nehemiah and their remnants. With the discouragement that they were going through because of the task ahead of them. Let's know. That our God is with us and he will help us and he will fight for us. Have you ever been discouraged? Let me just put that question the other way around. Who among us has never experienced discouragement? I'm sure all of us. The word discouraged, discouraged, courage, courageous, encouraged, encouraged is mentioned 42 times in scriptures, and we cannot overemphasize how the word of God commands us not to be discouraged over and over again. And if for whatever reason we might be going through that valley, so to speak, of discouragement, how can you and I overcome this predicament of the soul? How should we deal with our own discouragement? Have you ever wondered what causes the discouragement of God's people? What causes discouragement on anyone for that matter? So, letter A, let's look at the causes of discouragement. We can find two causes. Number one, fatigue. When we are physically exhausted, we will be discouraged. When we're weak, Physically, we're bound to become discouraged. After some weeks of hard work, 
In rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem, the people said, and we read this in verse 10, then Judah said, the strength of the laborers is failing. And there is so much rubbish that we are not able to build the wall. Their strength is failing. The folks that were building the walls of Jerusalem were dog tired. They are just bone weary. They are physically spent and tired. It's a vivid picture of an exhausted, tired laborer reeling under a heavy load he is trying to carry and could not carry it. And the load is about to crush him. They have been working for several weeks. Enthusiasm began to wane and they were about to give up. My dear friends, physical exhaustion does not only wear out the body, but it also disheartens or discourages the soul. Do you remember when Elijah was afraid and ran for his life in 1 Kings 19, 1-9? He had a victorious battle against the prophets of Baal. He was able to lead the people to kill all the false prophets. And then he declared that the end of the drought, the famine, would now cease after more than three years. But here he was running away for his life from Jezebel. He reached Beersheba in Judah. He left his servant there. And after a day's journey into the desert, he came to a broom tree. He sat down under it, and then he prayed that he might die. He cried out to God, and then he said, I have had enough, Lord. Just take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. And then he laid down under the tree, and he fell asleep. He was just tired. And then all at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat, Elijah. Well, how badly he needed the food and the sleep. After he ate, he slept again. And the angel of the Lord came back a second time, touched him, and then said, Get up and eat. Now there was prepared for him bread, freshly baked, from the coals by the angel baker Ray Dandan. I don't know, it might have been Ensemada. But twice he was awakened by the angel, he was fed, and then he slept for the journey that he was about to take. And the Bible records after resting and sleeping, gaining back. His physical strength, he was able to travel 40 days and 40 nights nonstop into Horeb, the mountain of God. But his discouragement has roots in physical and nervous exhaustion. Now Vince Lombardi, a two-time Super Bowl American football winning coach, said, fatigue makes cowards of us all. That's so true. 
I mean the NBA Western and Eastern Conference Championship is going on and in another week it'll be the NBA Championship. And I know that whoever will be courageous as a team and as players, even if they're down by about 15 to 20 points, if they will find the courage and strength to persevere and come against all odds will be the champion. And so, dear friends, Nehemiah and the Jews that were building the walls were dead tired. They worked with all their heart. They were halfway done in Nehemiah 4.6, coupled with the ridicule, insults, ongoing mocking and jeering of the enemy. They were hearing, that wall is useless. Even if a fox were to jump on it, it will crumble down. That's a useless endeavor. They were just discouraged. They wanted to give up. Let me encourage you. Be courageous. Don't give up with your praying for your loved ones to be saved. God promised that every household will be saved as we continue to persevere. Be courageous and don't give up with the task or ministry God called you to do, no matter how tired you might be. Even if you have been serving God for so many years in that same ministry, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, you're pleasing God and He is your strength. Be courageous. Don't give up on your professional or personal project. It might take a bit more time of running and exercising to lose that weight. Don't give up, my dear friend. Well, regarding your baking skill, kapatid, konting masa pa. Magiging malambot din yung pandesal na gusto mong gawin. Na gusto mong maatain balang araw. Bago matapos ang taon o di kaya ang pandemic. Lalambot rin yan. Don't give up. Don't be discouraged. My dear brother, sister, don't give up on SOL or IBI or meeting with your care group. Every meeting that you go to, every time you come together for the study of the word, you're growing in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus in the power of your Holy Spirit. Don't give up. Don't give up coming to church, even if you're so discouraged. Dear friend, don't give up on that relationship with your spouse, your child, or sibling. You are already maybe halfway to full restoration. You just don't know. And don't listen definitely to the negative comments of people. Get away from people that are so negative. Because my dear friend, you will be the one who will reap the harvest. Not them. Oh, this is important. Don't go jalan jalan everywhere now that you are able to go out on Sundays because you will surely get tired or exhausted. My dear friend, come rather to Jalan Pemimpin and find refreshing at Shekinah Hall at Mapex Building. My greatest encouragement is that let's find rest physically, emotionally, and above all spiritually in the Lord, in His Word, in His promises, and in His Spirit. 
Find rest in Him. And you will be strengthened. And you will be encouraged. Look at 2 Corinthians 4, 16. Here's how Paul describes our physical nature. Therefore, we do not become discouraged, spiritless, disappointed, though our outer self is progressively wasting away. It will surely become tired and exhausted, yet our inner self is being progressively renewed day by day. Matthew eleven twenty eight. if you're discouraged this morning, let's take the invitation of the Lord Jesus. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and he surely will give us rest. He will strengthen us. He will encourage us. In the same vein, Mark 6, 31, 32, this was the time that Jesus heard the news about John the Baptist, his cousin, being beheaded. But look at him. He said to them, Come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. Other translation, it says, come aside with me by yourselves. For there were many coming and going and they did not even have time to eat. And so they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. If we will just continue to eat of the bread of life. If we will rest in the Spirit of God, in His Word, in His promise, I'm sure that He will continue to strengthen us. Uh, let's look at the second cause of discouragement, not only tiredness, fatigue, physical exhaustion. Number two, fear. For when we are overwhelmed by the intimidating pressures around us, we surely will be discouraged. Reading from Nehemiah 4, 11 and 12, also our enemies said before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and will kill them and put an end to the work. And verse 12 reads, then the Jews who lived near them came and told us 10 times over wherever the U-turn, they will attack us. People of Judah were discouraged not only because of fatigue, but also because of fear. They were overwhelmed by intimidating pressures of the enemy, telling them to stop, that their labor is useless. These pressures came from the intimidation and threat of their enemies led by Sanballat, governor of Samaria, north of Judah, and Tobiah, governor of Ammon, east of Judah, early on in chapter 4, these two governors were just opposed in the rebuilding of the wall. They kept harassing the Judeans with their intimidating words of scorn and ridicule. What are those people just doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble, burn as they are? Tobiah the Ammonite who was at his side said, What are they building? He, if even a fox climb on it, he would break down their wall of stones. Not only, my dear friends, were they bone weary. Ano expression sa Tagalog? Sagad, sabuto, sa kapaguran. Well, I think that's the description of both our 
office workers and our house workers during the circuit breaker, right? They said, Pastor, walang pahinga. <laughs> and even uh, our dear housemate, Ems, uh, we see her working so hard at home. And I know that that's the experience of everyone, even as we have been confined to our homes during the CB. They began to doubt their abilities because of the enemies scorning them. They were getting really shaken. Can you imagine the weary workers building their walls in the midst of the ugly rubble or rubbish? And then even their own Judeans came and they said, our enemies will kill us. Ten times the verse of scripture reads, over. They were outnumbered. They feared the aggression of the Samaritans. The expression ten times means again and again. And they were attacked, harassed over and over to stop building the walls. Fear, my dear friends, is a paralyzing, contagious factor. And there was enough of it to go around threatening, continuing the wall building efforts to stop. Intimidating pressures from people and situations can cripple our sense of security. Just like the enemies of Nehemiah and the returning Jews, it symbolizes in our day-to-day satanic agencies in the form of people, situations in our day and age. And there might be days that we go to work, so much pressure, so much intimidation from colleagues, or even the responsibility itself, and then we are overwhelmed with fear, intimidated, because we have lost our sense of security. Now, my dear friends, what is the security we're banking on? Because when the enemy takes that security away from us, it might be marital or relational security, it might be job security, financial security, the enemy could use any breakdown of whatever we have anchored our security protection and strength on, and it would grip our hearts with fear, overwhelming pressures. Now, I don't know what you are afraid of. Is it fear of the future? The uncertainty of the future, is it fear of death and of dying? Fear of what will happen to your loved ones depending on you because of a prolonged or lingering illness? Is it a perceived loss of relationship due to fear of someone you hold dear or even our children leaving home? Sometimes if our children are already marriageable, There is that fear in us about what will happen to them when they leave us, when they will have to go away from us to study or to work somewhere else. For parents of school-aged children, 
Do we have that fear of what the result might be of a concluded or about to conclude school exam? May I please say this? God is sovereign and in control of the future of our children. There's nothing that we have to fear and worry about. And I don't know if this might be your situation this afternoon. It might be a season of discouragement for you in your life. Well, you are just physically exhausted. You are emotionally crumbling. You might have lost your sense of vision and confidence. You are just overwhelmed with intimidating pressures from work, home, and even assaults from people around you. And that is why you are disheartened. And you might be wondering, Lord, how can I be courageous in times like this? How can I deal with my discouragement? Friend, let the Spirit of God lift you up through the cures from the following verses that Nehemiah is showing us. By the way, the theme of Nehemiah is that God fulfills our need for security, protection, and strength. And that is what Nehemiah wanted the returning Jews going back to their nation on the way to restoration to see that the rebuilding of the wall was God's way of securing them once again as a nation, protecting them from their enemies and strengthening them in him. And so if we're discouraged, here are the cures of discouragement. According to Jeremiah, he said in verse 14, remember who God is. I think every time we are fatigued or discouraged or worried or panicky, let's refocus from our situation, from who we are, from our lap, back to who God is. And remember what he has done in the past. Remember the victory that he brought to our lives. Remember the deliverance when we were in trouble. And so verse 14, as we read, And I looked and I rose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, and to the rest of the people, Do not be afraid of the enemies. Do not be scared. Do not be Discourage, remember the Lord great and awesome and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives and houses. Nehemiah 4.14 In other words, Nehemiah, oh by the way, his name means the Lord has comforted, encouraged, encouraged the people of God after looking at what was obviously not just an overwhelming task, but also a fearful environment for all of them. He gives a wise and spiritual solution. Let us look above to God. He's the only one who can do something about our situation. He opened the way for us to come back to rebuild our nation and our temple and the walls. Let's look up to him. <laughs> After I look things over, that's what Nehemiah said. And then he said, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. 
Well, he was just saying, God is great and awesome. And this attributes of God are repeated three times in the book of Nehemiah. And in the whole of scripture, these words are repeated time and again. God is great and awesome. Remember who God is. What do these words great and awesome mean? What do these attributes of God how can they encourage us in our times of discouragement? Remember King David, the mighty warrior? He explains the greatness of God in 1 Chronicles 29, 12, 11 and 12. And this is what we read. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty, indeed everything that is in the heavens and the earth, yours is the dominion, O Lord, and you exalt yourself as head over all. Verse 12 says, both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all, and in your hand is power and might, and it lies in your hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. Hallelujah. When we are weak, when we are fearful, let's look up to God. Remember, God is great, and he will strengthen us. We don't have anything to fear or any reason to be discouraged about, for God is the one who is great and awesome. He rules over all in heaven and on earth, he is the most powerful one. Let us not dare undermine his power with the, any human force. Because his is the dominion over all. And so, dear friends, when tragedy strikes, God is in total control of whatever happens in whatever overwhelming circumstances we might find ourselves in. Our powerful and great God is seated on his throne. And he is definitely, most assuredly, in total control of your life and my life. And of all our lives to include the life of everyone dear to us. God, my dear friends, is great and awesome. There's one more attribute that we see about God. It says here, God is terrible. And this is... That characteristic of God that we fail to understand. God is holy. He hates sin. He is just. He invokes his wrath towards every form of sin. His wrath, my dear friends, is terrifying. God is a terrible God. Now you might ask, how can that be a comfort to us when we are discouraged? We've got to understand it this way. Remember that the Jews were afraid of their enemies for so long a time. Many generations have passed. They were slaves and servants of their invaders. They fear their tyrants. In just a single sound of their footstep, they are already shaking in fear. Now Nehemiah reminded them, don't be afraid of our enemies. For God is the terrible one. Not those human invaders. Actually, Nehemiah was echoing what Jesus later said in Matthew 10, 28. 
Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Let us rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. In the Old Testament, in Exodus 23, 27, we read this. I will send my terror ahead of you and throw into confusion every nation you encounter. I will make all your enemies turn their backs and run. Isn't that a terrible God who will do that? In other, friend, in other words, my dear friends, the fear of God removes all other fears in this life. If we will only continue to entrust everything to our terrible God. Be afraid of God. Honor God. Love God. Worship God. Submit to God then all other fears will be nullified. The fear of God removes all other fears. And so it brings us that if we fear God to this position, call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. Well, Nehemiah was a very prayerful governor and leader. He would find himself calling upon God. And I'm sure he was leading the remnants. Even as they were building that wall and the enemies will come. And they will scorn them. And they will threaten them. But here was Nehemiah leading the remnants to call upon God. Because he knows that. God is great, awesome, and terrible. The cure of discouragement is not only remembering who God is, but secondly, we remember that God is fighting for them and for us. We read in Nehemiah 4:15 and following, let's read it, and it happened. When our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had brought their plot to nothing, that all of us returned to the wall, everyone to his work. Verse 19, Then I said to the nobles, the rulers, and the rest of the people, the work is great and extensive, and we are separated far from one another on the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there, for God will fight for us. Nehemiah didn't only encourage the people to look up to God and remember who God was and who God is and what God can do. Nehemiah also encouraged the people of God, look beyond your strength, my dear brothers and sisters. Look beyond the strength of the enemy and even beyond the difficulty and impossibility of situations they faced and situations we face. Nehemiah reminded them and is reminding us, this is more than just a building of the walls of their city, this is more than just defending their families against the Ammonites. Look beyond. This is a spiritual battle. And it is God's battle. So God is going to fight for them. Do you remember Elisha and his servant in 2 Kings 6, 14 to 17? 
Elisha prayed that God will open the eyes of the servant when the servant went to him and then he said, Oh, my Lord, what shall we do? There is a vast army against us. Elisha prayed, Oh, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. And then the Lord opened the eyes of the servant and the servant looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around them. Dear friends, when we are fatigued, dear friends, when we are fearful, may God open our spiritual eyes so that we will remember who God is and we will see God's heavenly army fighting for us. Again, in Deuteronomy 20, 2, 3, and 4, we read, When you are about to go into battle, the priest shall come forward and address the army. He shall say, Hear, O Israel, today you are going into battle against your enemies. Do not be faint-hearted or afraid. Do not panic or be terrified by them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you a victory. Hallelujah. Dear friends, we are on the winning side. Christianity is not a religion of dualism, meaning to say God and Satan are equal and opposite opposing forces destined to fight an eternal struggle. That may end or result in a tie. No, God is sovereign over the subordinate power of Satan. Didn't the army of Sanballat and Tobiah attack them? No, because God intervened and he was fighting for Nehemiah and the remnant Jews. Verse 15 reads to us, God had brought their plot to nothing. In other words, God frustrated their plans to stop the work of rebuilding the temple or the walls. We sometimes may come to the point in time when we say, this is a hopeless case. Let me ask you, what is hopeless? What case are you facing that you are feeling that you are hopeless? Friends, whatever emotional, mental, physical state, we might be in, always be in the right and true spiritual perspective that Satan and his courts can never win over God, can never win against the people of God because God is on our side and is fighting for us. The battle cry of our Christian warfare, God is fighting for us and the battle is the Lord's, not ours. And so let's remember who God is. Let God fight our battles. God is for us. Who can be against us? Romans 8.31 For greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. 1 John 4.4 4. Take heart, dear brother and dear sister. Isaiah 41 
Do not fear, for I am with you. Promises the God who fights for us. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Friend, you may be going through different battles and situations today, but our God is the same. He is powerful. He is awesome, great, and faithful. He is enough for every situation that we are in. As we look up to Him today, bring to Him all our fears. Rest and trust in His sovereignty. And above all, let Him continue to fight for us so that we can receive our victory. He's fighting for us. Remember what God can do. In conclusion, we read in Nehemiah 6.15, So the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. When all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that his work has been done with the help of God. Dear friends, Nehemiah succeeded in helping the remnant or returning Jews to take their rest and refuge in God. But the greatest success Nehemiah attained, according to J. Oswald Sanders, was to recover the authority of God's word in the lives of the people of God. From being exiled, returning to their land, this was very important for them. They had to know that God's word and the authority of God's word would make them recognize the authority of God over their lives. As a result of this, they were able to entrust their fatigue and exhaustion, their fear of their enemies to the power and person of God, and it gave them purpose to finish their task in 52 days. There was repentance and restoration of their true worship of God, and they recovered their identity as God's chosen nation and people. How many of you know that building walls is the same as building, strengthening, and encouraging lives, relationships, rebuilding families to include a church family? For the recent weeks and months, couple of months, the emergencies that happened in our midst, in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic, gave us an opportunity to take part in the task of building and rebuilding God's people. The lingering sickness of Susan, the passing away of Alma, and now the mourning period of Paul, Paula, Josh, and Faith, so that we can come alongside them. The hospitalization of Georgette and Rachel, the accidents of loved ones of some of our house workers, the critical situation of John Daniel Montilla, and the most recent condition of Lawrence. Friends, one way or the other, it called us as a care group, as a church, as ministry workers and ministers to come alongside the members of this 
family of God. We've sent encouraging messages. We've taken part in financial help. Our physical presence encouraged them so that it built them up some way, somehow. But this was also an opportunity I took advantage of to coach, to teach, and to inculcate in our young pastors that a very important task that they have as incoming pastors of this church is not only to preach a good sermon, which they already are doing, but equally important was that they were to love the people of God. Because the only other way that they could lead living word back to God's word and back to God's person was through the love of God, care, and abiding presence flowing to every member of the church as they themselves would have become channels of that same love which they have experienced from God. And dear brethren, this should be an ongoing flow of God's love, His person, and power through each of us flowing and reaching out to the unbelievers, to our colleagues, to our family members so that we can continue to rebuild, restore lives as we have been built and restored by God Himself. And so in our discouragement because of fatigue, and because of fear, let us always remember who God is and remember that He is fighting for us. Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your strength, for your word, for your promises that encourages us, that strengthens us gives us rest, joy, and peace. Knowing, Lord, that you are not done rebuilding our lives, rebuilding our faith, strengthening our faith, so that, Lord, as you strengthen and build us in our walk with you, you can use us to be channels of rebuilding, restoration, lives of others as we reach out to them. Thank you, Lord. And dear friend, if you're going through discouragement, it's only through God. It's only through His Spirit, through His power that He can reach out to you. But you've got to open your heart. You've got to have that personal relationship with Him. And if you want to do that, I'd like to read you into a prayer as you Follow along or pray with me this prayer. Are you ready? So that God can encourage you, strengthen you, take away your fears. And then He can lead you and guide you and give you peace and joy. Pray this prayer with me, my dear friend. Heavenly Father, I acknowledge that I am a sinner and can never save myself. I need a Savior. I need Jesus in my life. Forgive me of all my sins as I open my heart and receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I now surrender every aspect of my life to you. Thank you for my forgiveness. 
Thank you for my salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. If you pray that prayer, then be rest assured that you are on the way to being built up, being restored, being encouraged by the power of God. Shall we receive the benediction right now? And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance on you and grant you peace and bring encouragement to your life and strengthening to your spirit. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Lord bless you. Let's keep loving God and loving people all throughout this week. Amen.